0: or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you gotta do is head on over to u com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest.
1: A lot of my work is influenced by a body of work called psychocybernetics if you're not familiar with it it's absolutely incredible it's about like self image psychology right essentially how like your identity who you think you are creates the parameters of your beliefs which creates the parameters of what you're literally able to experience you could actually even be experiencing something and not even realize it just because of where your beliefs are at right you might, it might not even register you might not even notice it but if you just think like oh yeah i'm just I'm just a shy person, like people don't really seem to connect with me. That's context, right? That's a belief. You're like, that's just who I am. That's that's like a part of the plot of my life is I'm just that person people don't seem to connect with. So if you're sitting there believing that and that's who you are, someone will literally be trying to connect with you and you'll push them away.
0: Hello, friends. It's Ash Stahl, and of course, I'm here with another friend who really inspires me, Nathaniel Solis. He is a leadership and consciousness coach and the founder of Gammapreneur Program, and the goal of this program is to help you fully embody who you are and what you're doing in the world, and I thought that the best topic we could dive into today is how to take inspired action. Um, Nathaniel, welcome to the show. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so freaking pumped to be here.
0: Pumped because we haven't hung out in so long that at least we get to do a podcast episode.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) Let's go for it.
0: Yeah, and also um, those of you who are listening, I see Nathaniel as just a very embodied person. And whenever I'm around him, I feel a sense of relief. So my guess is that as you're listening to this conversation, you're listening to him, you're just going to feel some sort of relief in your life. (laughs) So if you're feeling tense right now, by the end of this, I'm guessing you won't. Um, But before we dive in, Nathaniel, can you tell everybody, like, how did you get to this place of awesomeness?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, first, I just want to say, like, that just landed for me, too. Like, to to associate me with relief is really meaningful. So just thanks for saying that and, like, telling that to your audience. Because that's totally possible. Everyone could totally, like, chill out right now. Regardless of anything I say, like, if you want to chill out, go for it.
0: You're already doing it. Um, already providing yeah. the relief.
1: Uh, but as far as being so awesome, it's at, – at one point, it's the result of, like, the choice because it's like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's an option. You know, I can be really awesome and, like, try to be a really happy, healthy, you know, successful version of myself. Like, why not, right? And okay. I feel really lucky that that's even an option for me. Um, but I would say – and the more I talk to people about it, too, at a pretty young age, I was – uh, became aware of quite a handful of things and the right combination of things, from um, conspiracy theories to uh, what death is like in a family, to, you know, messing around with the system in all in all sorts of ways. And it just led me to this higher perspective where I realized like everyone's kind of living in this bubble of things we think are real and they're not necessarily that real. Even just the town that I grew up in, right? Like there's people still living there now who have worked at the same restaurant for the last 10 years. And that's okay, but they've literally never left the town. And it's like, wait a minute, there's so many options of what the human experience can look like. So I went for the full... Lucid option where it's like, I want to know everything about everything. And this stemmed from my experience from uh, eight years old that I've been lucid dreaming since I was eight years old. So I've always had this sort of like extra um, uh, option of awareness. So I applied that to like my waking life. Like, how do I wake up from what I might be asleep to? Mm. Uh, and it just got me obsessed with researching things. And when I was like 18, me and my friends built a website where we tried to gather literally all the most educational videos on the internet and put them on one website and write little reviews about all of them and basically create this sort of like consciousness evolving uh like red pill of a website i guess essentially and then i started a youtube channel and just started sharing myself and it's been almost 10 years now that i've been like online creating content and educating people and creating events and all these different kinds of things and it's also led to me kind of being like a a scientist in my own way too and being really obsessed with like human behavior and how do we take care of all the problems on the planet for everybody and um, how do we do that like as efficiently and graciously as possible and have as much fun along the way.
0: Yeah, so and you that's seem that's what I'm all about. Well, and, and just listening to you, you feel so centered and whenever you walk into the room, that's what I feel. And by the way, the reason I explain that you feel like relief is because I went to a party the other day and they handed out a piece of paper. It was at Layla Martin's, Uh and she asked everybody, how do you want people to feel when you leave the room because of you? Uh And I wanted to feel like a healing presence. That's what I want to feel like, and maybe like a lightener, like making things lighter, and I feel like you feel like relief. That's, That's what I give you. I'm not sure if that's what you're going for, but just listening to you speak now, it seems like, yeah, you were very curious and you're pretty tapped having these lucid dreams from a young age. And I would love to hear, what does that even mean?
1: So, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting, like learning what everyone's perspective on all of that. So lucid dreaming really simply is just when you're asleep and you're dreaming, but you become like, you know, you're dreaming while you're in the dream.
0: Yeah. Right. Not everyone's
1: even had that experience. You know, a lot of people do, Uh, but there's different layers of it too, because sometimes you can just be in there and kind of have this sense of knowing you're safe Right. Like you kind of you're like, oh, this isn't like real life. Like you kind of have this tingling sense of it. And then there's layers of lucidity where you're fully aware you're dreaming and you're thinking thoughts like, wait, I just went to sleep. Like, what's going on? I'm laying in my bed right now, but I'm having this experience and I can even like look around and and decide like who I want to talk to or then even where I want to walk to. And then you start to literally be able to like create Worlds and universes, and have like god powers. Mm. Like the more, it's kind, it's literally like a movie where like the more willpower in a sense, or the more like and surrender and trust that you have, you can literally get create like universal superpowers. And I've gotten to that level and it's totally blown blows me away, but it's like, it's like a built in video game
0: <laughs> that wow.
1: I, I, th- I think all humans have access to.
0: It's like a spiritual gamer. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It's well, pretty awesome.
0: And you know, just what do you think it's about when somebody is in a lucid dream? What do you mm-hmm. think is available there? What's, what's well, the gift? Well,
1: so I think it's, uh, you know, the fact that it's literally, you know, pretty much like a third of our entire life makes means and it's built in like it's a it's a default automatic non-negotiable have to sort of thing we have to sleep every night it doesn't mean you dream every night or have to but the fact that that's such an intimate part of our life just already makes me think it's it's probably pretty important
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and then the fact that it can be some of the most emotional experiences of our life is also really seems really important um and then the fact that it's just such a playground to explore your own consciousness and like what do i do when i can do anything Mm -hmm. You know, which is really trippy. I was just telling someone the other day how, like, I've killed someone before. I've killed lots of people before in Mm -hmm. my dreams. Wow. (laughs) Just to make sure that's clear. And it's so trippy because it's like in a dream I'm having in, like, a war scene or some, like, crazy movie playing out. And that just ends up being, like, what's written into that, you know, script. And then that's interesting because now that I'm awake, I have the memory of me having that experience. Right. And you can't prove to me at this point that something I did yesterday is any different than a dream I had last night, because now they're just memories in my brain. Right. They're the, they're the same thing. It's something that I did in the past. Hmm. Right. To me, they're just as real now because they're both just memories of something I vividly experienced emotionally and even physically, too. Like some people, everyone's experience of dreams are different. Some people can't hear sound. Some people don't see color some people don't feel any, uh, physical sensation. Like I've been eaten alive by a shark <laughs> in a dream and I could feel all of it. I mean, at least to what I imagine it was, you know, pain beyond all ideas of pain wow. and, um, and all kinds of other experiences like that. So I think it's, I think it's honestly like this built in, it's almost like a, an inner diary where you get to explore these different symbols, uh, and archetypes of your unconscious, like We have all these built-in parts of the human experience whether you find it from astrology or from psychology or whatever where it's like your relationship with authority figures your relationship with the opposite sex with the same sex your relationship with power your relationship with sexuality all these different things that's the stuff if you look at every dream you ever have there's these you know symbols built in and i've also found you can use dreams as an opportunity to Literally, like integrate and almost, and in a sense, like practice life experiences while you're awake, right? You have that argument the night before in your dream, and you get to really like sort some things out and actually consider some things, and then you step into that that conversation the next day, and it doesn't have to be an argument. So cause
0: interesting. Because you have this more
1: awareness around it.
0: And when it comes to taking inspired action, you are someone who's had different waves in business. You've gone through a lot, and I'm so curious you know, what got you to this place where you feel like you can be so fully embodied because we live in a world right now where there are so many teachers out there that are not walking the walk. They're talking the talk. And I really see you as integrated. I see you talking and I see you walking. So what do you think got you to this place of awareness and ability?
1: Mm. You know, at first it was and thank you. Wow, that's just so cool to hear you say that. I I really appreciate that. That's yeah. like such a huge compliment, honestly, just to be integrated.
0: <laughs> I mean, um, we're friends, Nathaniel. I think you're pretty fucking awesome. Human.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, at first it was I was one of those talk, you know, just talkers, you know, with with a big heart, you know, and you can feel it. The heart was there and the talk game was strong. <laughs> <laughs> and that can get you certain results, you know, and that can build certain things and that's was great. And then I built something that was hollow from that and to put that in another way it's it's basically like i was developing my mind uh and my and my like skill of of cleverness and figuring it outness and you know uh and creativity too and all these other things but there was no emphasis on my body or on my emotions uh or on my relationships really you know it just wasn't it just wasn't really prioritized so part of that too that path of like stepping into embodiment and like really trusting because I think the reason we don't take inspired action is because there's a lack of trust there right when you have like full certainty about something that's just what you have right that's just what's there so if you don't have full certainty of what's on the other side of taking any kind of action especially inspired action that's when we're going to have a hard time and what I realize is that the thing we're not afraid of we're not afraid of like the potential scary outcome on the other side of taking action we're afraid of how unsafe we feel in our own body in that outcome, right? It's like our inability to handle our own emotional state in the future when we mess up, that's what we're afraid of. Because even when you mess up, nothing's actually a problem other than your state of being and how you're feeling. And we can only take that so much. It's like we're putting ourselves in these stressful situations over and over and over again, trying to, like, come up with a better and better scenario instead of solving the core issue, which is, like, the actual state of our nervous system on the default level. And how can we raise the baseline of that default so we're, like, naturally available to, like, handle more and have that capacity for all the little failures that make – Big successes. Does
0: Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, and you know, one when we were and everybody listening, you know how I am. Before I start recording, I'm always talking. So, we talked about pattern interrupts, and I find this really interesting. I know that as a writer who's written a lot of different materials. And those of you listening, um, you know how Cake Publishing, it's a ghostwriting house. So I have ghostwriters writing blog posts, but I also have copywriters writing copy. And one of the most fundamental tools in copywriting is a pattern interrupt. And so copywriting is anything from websites to shopping carts, anything that the goal is a sale. And pattern interrupts are ways to wake up the person reading and make sure that they're paying attention. So I'm so curious, Nathaniel, I haven't seen somebody talk about a pattern interrupt in a minute, a hot minute. So Mm -hmm. what does this have to do with everybody who is thinking about trying to take inspired action?
1: Yeah. So often we're trying to like take inspired action, consider what it might be, right? Plan for it and try to build from a place where we're already running in these certain patterns or habits, you know whether that's habits in your environment habits of how you use your time habits of how you use your energy uh, even what you're eating things like that something as simple as like intermittent fasting for one you know morning right just not eating until 1pm 1, one day that's that's a whole interrupt for somebody's system usually and for a lot of people that can be a really valuable one mm-hmm. right something as simple as realizing you're sitting there stressing out about the next step to take sitting on on your couch in that same place you always sit, looking at your phone, holding it in that shitty posture that you always hold it in, and if, if just for once you actually stood up, put the phone down and went outside and went for a walk for 10 minutes, that could change your whole life, right? And if we're not willing to assume that there's more information outside of the pattern we're in, then we keep relying on the pattern we're in, which is a finite resource. Yes. Right. Because it, it can only build so much and it becomes this self enabling feedback loop of uh, familiarity, which puts us in our comfort zone and keeps us there. Right.
0: This is fascinating because I think that it, it could be tough for somebody to figure out, like, what what is a good pattern interrupt for me? So, in my case, the other day I started hiking in the Hollywood Hills and that was so random for me, but it was so great and it did a lot for me. Um, so what what do you think was happening to me as I made that pattern interrupt? So let's say somebody listening now goes, goes and does a different exercise, goes and does a walk, um, mm. sees a different type of friend that day, um, takes a cooking class, like whatever pattern interrupt it is. Can you give some examples of what they are and what was happening to me when I went on that hike? What is that doing for me?
1: Yeah, totally. I think a great way to look at it uh, is, and, and Tim Ferriss says something along the lines of like, what would happen if I ran an experiment where I just did the exact opposite for 48 hours, right? And it's like, what could I really lose? So if you look at, like, when you're waking up, if you're waking up is usually based around a sleeping-in sort of vibe, just what would happen if you set an alarm, got up at 5 a.m. for two days in a row, just just to see what happens. And what that does, the analogy that came to mind when you asked was, like, if you're playing Jenga, because I'm thinking about playing, like, Jenga with, with Libby and Scott and all them, and um, it's like... When you're looking at the tower from one perspective, there's only so many moves you can see are possible. But if you like, you know, do a 90 degree turn and look from another angle, you see it from another perspective. So you just have more options. So you going on that hike instead of staying in the whatever your normal routine is, you're, you're literally giving your brain a different environment and a different context to think about the thing you were probably you know going to think about anyways. Right. But it's like giving you literally just a new lens to look at it with. Mm -hmm. And I think for most people, really what we're desiring all the time is just more clarity. And it's and then you look at the definition of uh, insanity, right, which is like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So it's like if you just put two and two together, it's like, oh, then I have to do something different. Right. Even if it's just one thing. and, And I encourage people to just literally start as simple as you possibly can. Um, I realized when I was younger, I was obsessed with, I would rearrange my room probably a couple times a year, which I think is more than most people. Yeah. But I just thought it was fun. And I love the idea of like, Ooh, now I get to sit at my desk like this and I can look and then the windows over here now. And that just was fascinating to me. And it kept me in more of a creative flow too, because I'm switching things up.
0: Yeah, I did that. I, As a kid, I used to always beg my mom for new bedding. Like I felt like a new, mm-hmm. new bedding would just change my whole room in my head.
1: <laughs> yeah. But part, I did. think part of the, the value of the pattern interrupt too is like training yourself to realize it's okay to like do novel things. Because hmm. sometimes, let's say you want to start your own business and now it's time to do all kinds of novel things. One of those things being like sales conversations. And it's like it's if you haven't built up the the – the embodiment of realizing you're safe doing new things that are uncomfortable then doing something like that, which you have to do to grow a business. Like that's a big deal, right? You can't let something like that trip you up. So it's like, this is an opportunity. Uh, same, same reason why things like cold, cold exposure, taking cold showers, right. Or even just working out, uh, especially if you don't like working out or going on runs, cause you don't like going on runs. It's like, you're training yourself to realize there's reward on the other side of uncomfortable action
0: oh i love that and just yeah. providing a new environment for potentially new creativity
1: yeah. On, this,
0: yeah on the same topic
1: and it's like might as well might as well spice up your life have a little bit more interesting things to do you know all the boys and all the
0: girls spice up your life oh. <laughs> that's exactly what
1: i just thought
0: of. <laughs> oh my god what a blast from the past
1: that's good
0: um and as far as taking inspired action you also mentioned And I thought this was interesting that number two, after you look at a pattern interrupt and you offer that to yourself, catching up and completing things. And that felt loaded to me. I was like, whoa, we have so many
1: things. (laughs) And that's why, that's because it's that needed, right? Like, so the pattern interrupt gives you, also gives you this little hit of like dopamine and some hormones and stuff where you're like, ooh, new energy. Like, ooh, I'm a little, I'm a bit more motivated. I'm a bit more excited, which for a lot of people, The next step for most people is to like put the dishes away, right? And vacuum the floor in your car, which you haven't done in a year and a half, right? These random little things where our unconscious mind is tracking all of them. It remembers that pile of clothes in the bottom of the closet that really are harmless sitting there, but you don't actually want them there. So you're like, you know, 0.01% of you is thinking about that until it's done, right? And I don't know if this is exactly true, but it's more of like this analogy to live by. And I have 100%... uh, proof of this in my own experience and everyone I introduced this concept to, but it's like the moment your your kitchen is clean, you all of a sudden have more bandwidth, right? And, when, and for a lot of people, like when your bed's made and your room's vacuumed and the desk looks tidy, like you just have more bandwidth. And I think a lot of that too just has to do with, again, coming back to symbols and the unconscious mind, this context that we're in, right? And you'll notice sometimes when you're overwhelmed and busy uh, and a little stressed out, your house gets a little bit messier, right? And usually we go, oh yeah, because I'm so busy and focused on all these things. I don't have time to, I don't have the bandwidth for all that. When, from my experience, when you create the bandwidth to take care of all that first or prioritize that, you actually have more bandwidth available for the thing you want to put all your energy into. And like, so actually flipping those is a big deal. And there's a lot of people, and it gets so tricky trying to just like work on our lives and do the next thing and create all this stuff. And then there's that, you know, I don't know garage sale you've been wanting to do for seven years it's like doing that and just literally moving energy getting rid of things cleaning things up all of that stuff is is so massive for people um and anyone I introduce that to uh always comes back and is like holy shit like I cleaned out my closet or I did something and um I feel more caught up and then tying that back to something a little deeper too a particular definition of trauma which is, for a lot of people is like the, the source of that sort of invisible pattern, right? That, that alters our behaviors and keeps getting us stuck in things. But that trauma is ultimately just an incomplete experience, right? Like something you went through in the past that altered you emotionally, physically, it was super intense. And there wasn't a sense of integration with that. It didn't create complete, you, didn't, you don't complete it. And that's why let's say, you know, after a breakup, you can't even talk about it for months, right? Because it's not integrated yet. It's still painful. It still causes, it still affects your behaviors reactively. And But then maybe a year later, you can talk about it and actually feel grateful for it, right? And be fond of it. That means it's integrated. That means that's a, you've completed that experience. And not to say that we have to land at like gratitude and fondness for everything. And uh, I like the idea of moving forward in my life, knowing that like, I'm not having my past come in and steer the ship. Right. When it doesn't need to, yeah. when it doesn't need to be in charge.
0: Well, and when you say catch up and complete things, that could mean so many things. So it could mean cleaning out your closet. Oh, my gosh. You're bringing me back to all the 90s jams. We got Eminem. We got Space Girl. <laughs> <laughs> cleaning out my closet. Okay. So people could do that. But what else? When you said completing things, you'd mentioned relationships, breakups, heartbreaks, traumas. Mm-hmm. Those things, who, who knows how long they could take, right? Like. Yeah. And so I'm curious, what are some recommendations you have for people to figure out, number one, what is pulling on their energy? What do they need to be completing that maybe they're not Mm -hmm. aware of? You know, it's kind of sneaky. And secondly, you know, how to go about that.
1: Yeah, so one exercise that I do that definitely covers a lot of the bases is to literally just um, go through every year of your life. Get out a piece of paper, write down the year, and just feel into what your like what's the name of that chapter of your life what did you go through do you remember when you were four and there was a birthday present you got and it's really cool awesome write it down All right. do you remember you were six and you had your first crush in kindergarten and they punched you in the nose I don't know and you don't remember that so like literally just seeing what's available to come up for a lot of people will remind them of things like oh yeah there's that thing when I was 13 that I don't Like I I almost never think about that, but that comes up in this exercise. And if it has that charge around it, that's how, you know, it's incomplete and it's not integrated. Right. And those are those little things, as we all know, it's like you, we get programmed at such a young age, basically from zero to eight, you're like this total sponge. And if you don't like go back and, and, Look at that stuff. you're running a lot of programs that are still in there from such a long time ago. So just to literally like audit your life and see where the emotional charges are as confronting and intimidating as that can be, um, you know, there's that phrase the only way out is through. right? So knowing that you, the tr- the truth is safe. And if these are just the things that you that happened to you and the things that you went through, then that's just what they are. And here you are now, and like we're moving forward from here. But it's important that we don't bring all of that with us in a way that's, you know, not helping us.
0: And when you say complete things and you, you talk about emotional charge, I think maybe everybody listening, maybe they don't know what that looks like for them. So how do you explain? Let's say somebody's doing their list, they're doing age one to present, whatever age it is and every year they mm-hmm. write down something that they remember, maybe something traumatic, maybe something that is just a memory they have. How do they figure out what is emotionally charged?
1: I think the simple answer to that is that it, it, in my experience and most people I know, you'll have a sort of almost binary gut r- response like, ooh, there's something there or there isn't. And it'll probably feel more like tension and tightening and flexing versus like opening and relaxing. Right. Um, like when you're stressed, you get tense. Right. So if you have this unintegrated experience that's still holding even the subtlest stress in your body, you'll notice, you know, your breath getting short. You'll notice maybe you you start heating up. You'll notice your mind starts racing around that thing and retelling that story and diving into all of that. And you get in the sort of reactive sense that you're that we're all so familiar with, <laughs> you know. Um, that's that's a pretty telltale sign. If you just feel that sense of like, wow, this seems to either trigger me or like bring up stuff in me, and then the key to actually completing it, put really simply, and of course like. This is, you know, goes without saying, like, there are so many incredible professionals out there that can support with these kinds of things specifically, and I think this is the kinds of skills humans should just be taught in general. But the key, really, with all of it is to just not judge the fact that you have any reactions to it. It's just a a natural thing to have these, you know, emotions in our body, and then to let yourself actually feel it. Like, often it's literally like we just don't complete, like, the 100% you know, we don't meet that quota for that emotion. And sometimes it's because we we have a judgment about what it looks like. Like I I've been telling some clients recently, you can um associate the amount of snot that comes out of somebody's face with how much they're transforming in their life. Right? When you have those true like deeply emotional like really feeling it where it's not down your nose and everything coming out. Like those are the moments where you really change, where things really land, right? Cause you're actually engaged in your body. You're actually engaged in that emotional ex- experience. And it almost like takes over you. And so I think we're just so our, our culture has created us so far removed from our emotional nature. Um, you know, we're just supposed to toughen up and hold it together and don't cry and all these kinds of things. Um, and yet that's what we're all like literally inclined to do. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the completing thing is a very literal like just finish feeling that thing. It's okay to go all the way. Obviously like be smart, create a safe container. If you want to punch your pillow, go for it. If you want to you know drive somewhere, park and scream in your car, go for it. All of like that is real 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 therapy because there's a lot of people with experiences they've had in their life and and setbacks and failures and and self-judgments, which is really most of it is like a, is guilt and shame and these self judgments and stories that we create when really we just want to like be able to like oh my god I had that experience and this is how much it sucked and I got to feel it all the way
0: well, and, and, uh, yeah. and this feels kind of like an enigma for people because I think some people who are listening, you know, you and I work in personal development. And so when people say feel your feelings, we have some tools and strategies that come up. So let's say somebody's going down their list and they remember at age 14 that year that their best friend didn't come to their birthday party and how devastated they
1: were. Mm-hmm. What
0: would be some ways, modalities, exercises they could do to feel their feelings
1: to complete mm-hmm. complete it? Yeah. Um, so... So, yeah, working with others, this is where this gets helpful, to be, like, guided through things, and um, I would definitely recommend getting good at uh, Googling and YouTube, like, searching guided meditations and guided inner child healing and guided emotional healing meditation. There's so many things out there, and it's really fun to, like, experiment and find people that you really like. Um, But in that scenario that you gave, sometimes really literal and often kind of, like, Uh, comical uh, symbols work really well. Like I would recommend putting on the it's my party and I'll cry if I want to song and like, have throwing a tantrum around your room with that song on (laughs) because it's going to do one of two things it'll probably like just get you really pissed because you're like oh my god because you'll just get pissed about your life in general because you're like acting that out and it'll make you think about all the other things that you're pissed off about which is great get pissed like feel that so you can like get clear on that uh or it also just might make you start laughing so hard that you literally like laugh that experience out of your body by integrating the fact that you're so clear on the truth of it which is that it has no power over you now Right, and you can make a new decision about it, and you can define that decision differently. Right, really what all this stuff comes down to is belief systems and these stories we're telling about our life, right? There's our life as it's actually happening, and then there's the story we have about it. And the story we have about it is the thing that we're feeling all the time. And I think all of this personal development work is really like unplugging yourself from the matrix, if that's the analogy, or like taking the wall off your eyes and realizing like you're living in... Uh, you know, for pretty much the most part, you're living in a story you created for yourself. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing either. But when it comes to like trying to fix things and improve things in your life, um, that's like this sense of self-responsibility and diving in and really being your own author. um, It starts to get really real. And it's exciting too, because like all the tools to do that do exist. And the fact that someone like you exists and has a podcast like this, it's like you're one example of, of, of a whole like, you know, transformation of, consciousness on this planet that's happening and people waking up to the fact that it's like oh my gosh it's okay to like really go for it it's okay to try to be the best version of me and there's a lot of resources to do it so i am j- just getting pumped i'm getting excited yeah if you can't no, tell.
0: <laughs> um, no and you know what um is really fascinating and kind of off the beaten path for those of you who are listening and i know that we're in the a time of society right now and you know can't you can take the girl out of Politics, but you can't take the politics out of me, I guess, because what I'm thinking about right now is the Me Too movement and how we are in an era where so many women are finding out that there is a safe place for them or that this society is becoming a safer place to admit to sexual harassment or abuse. I know that one out of three was what, what I last read. One out of three women have been sexually harassed on some level. I'm sure the number is much higher than that because... I haven't really met a woman who hasn't been sexually harassed in some level, depending on how they define it. But what I also know is that a lot of women have been, gone through molestation or something that was sexually off color for them at a young age. And it created, whether it's shame or confusion or disconnect with their bodies, and I, and I promise this relates to you, Nathaniel, because what you're uh-huh. saying is to complete things. Yeah. And a lot of you especially you ladies listening right now but this applies to you know guys too is i have read multiple times in personal development that if you have sexual trauma that and you have a sexual partner the way to complete it or the way to allow yourself to feel it and let it go is to actually act it out with your partner but yeah so i think that that's really fascinating because you have a safe person your partner that you've chosen and you have an experience that didn't feel safe that you're acting out and so that that's also a way um for those of you listening who have any sexual trauma to consider completing that Mm -hmm. because i know that that is something that permeates your essence it permeates your being it permeates your body the way you hold yourself so just had to add that in and um so okay pattern interrupt um, write a list of everything you've ever done so that you can catch up and complete things or, you know, any trauma you've ever had throughout the years of your life, yeah. or just memories. And then the third thing you said, Nathaniel, was a context audit. What does yeah. this mean?
1: So since our whole life is this like kind of illusory reality created of all these stories, some of which aren't true and some of which are, right? Like someone, someone's walking around with a story of like, you know, I'm, I'm not tall enough Right. No, the the woman of my dreams would never like me, I'm not tall enough. And then the actual woman of his dreams like thinks is it thinks he's the perfect height. Right? So he's walking around his whole life with the story. It's just not true. So that's a he's in a certain context. A context that's the I'm too tall, I'll never get the girl of my dreams context. And it becomes this filter and no matter what he looks at, it becomes this confirmation bias and he just keeps reinforcing that story right and he could even be introduced to a girl who totally has a crush on him and she and they're the right height and it all works out and because he's so committed to that belief in that story he creates a scenario that's not even true that ends up with them breaking up right and then reinforcing that story does that make sense i think yeah. everyone has a lot of examples of that but sometimes it's it's unconscious so to actually go and start to ask questions like what does it mean, uh, you know, relevant to what you're saying? Like, what does it mean to me to be alive as a woman right now or to be alive as a man right now? Like actually stopping asking that question. What does it mean to me to be an entrepreneur? What does it mean to me to have the things that I have, to be up to what I'm up to, to know the people that I know, right? These are all questions that invite you to explore your context because we're walking around with all of these, like, like millions of these little beliefs, uh, this, like, substrate of, like, who we are by default is made up of all these little stories of a lot of questions that we never even ask ourselves. Like, you know, what does it mean to me that I, that I shop where I shop or I live where I live or that I'm alive now versus being alive 50 years ago? What does it mean about my potential? What does it mean about what I'm here to do? And it really just starts to give you these questions to actually answer. And if you answer them for yourself, you start to realize there's a lot of room to inject some really powerful beliefs and really empowering beliefs Right, because you could walk around and, and think oh because I was born in this specific place that just mean that that just means this default thing that it means about me and, it, and that puts a cap on my potential and then time and time again there's examples of people who tell a new story and say oh because I was born in this type of place I'm gonna be that person who uh, is the exception to the rule I right love like this. They, they they wrote a new story and developed new context and actually use the same uh, circumstances as fuel for the change, instead of those circumstances being the the excuse.
0: Got it. And, you know, what's so interesting to me is I heard a few elements here with the context audit. The first element I heard was taking a look at the evidence, because a lot of the times we say that something's not going to happen or that we're not something or we don't have enough of something, and then when you take a look at the evidence, you look at your context, you realize, oh, I'm lying to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Anybody who's listening right now, you can think have you and ask your friends if you don't know, um, have they heard you saying that this uh, talking about or complaining about something that isn't working for you? And so ask your friends, like, what am I complaining about? What do you hear me complaining about when I'm venting to you? And then ask yourself, is this true? Is there evidence in my life to prove this? Okay, cool. Also ask yourself, is there evidence to prove the opposite? Because usually mm-hmm. there is, and your ego is just shopping to prove the same old story that keeps you small so that you don't have to take action, you don't have to be vulnerable, or whatever the things are that you don't want to do. I totally get it. But I also heard you talk about our identity and our image, Nathaniel, which I think is really fascinating. And I had a mentor once who kind of talked about it like as if we're all one big Mr. Potato Head. where. <laughs> where we That's have these, these little pieces that we put on like for me part of my Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head Miss I guess single right now so Miss Potato Head is you know I like rap music I love cupcakes I have funny mm-hmm. dance moves. You know, you know my Mrs. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. And so I think anybody listening, there's an opportunity right now to take a look at your image. What is your Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head? What are the pieces of you that you like people to see, that you like to see, that make you feel good about you? Is it that part of your Mrs. Potato Head is she gets her nails done every week? She's a member She's a member <laughs> of the most exclusive gym. Like, how do you identify yourself? What is the image you're projecting? And Nathaniel, I'd love your thoughts on like all these random things streams of consciousness that I'm giving right now, because I think it relates to the context audit.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. It's like, you're. I mean, the potato head uh, analogy is just like how we're essentially not a blank slate, but we're just so editable or programmable, like we can really design who we are, because if you just look at who you are now, it's literally just the result of your past experiences and your experiences today will be the past experiences of tomorrow. Right. So it leads me to this question of like, so how do I live a lifestyle and and be up to things in the world where I'm like enjoying my life today and making progress today and setting myself up to be even better at all that tomorrow? I love right. this. And, and I think the 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 core of that that potato head too is the identity piece. Um, a lot of my work is is influenced by uh, a body of work called Psycho-Cybernetics. If you're not familiar with it, it's absolutely incredible. Do tell. It's about, it's about, like, self-image psychology, right? Essentially how, like, your identity, who you think you are, creates the parameters of your beliefs, which creates the parameters of what you're literally able to experience. You could actually even be experiencing something and not even realize it just because of where your beliefs are at, right? You might, It might not even register. You might not even notice it. Um, but if you just think, like, oh, yeah, I'm just... I'm just a shy person. Like people don't really seem to connect with me. That's context, right? That's a belief. You're like, that's just who I am. That's that's like a part of the plot of my life is I'm just that person. People don't seem to connect with. So if you're sitting there believing that and that's who you are, someone will literally be trying to connect with you and you'll push them away. Because you you're we're trying to reinforce our identity. Uh, another analogy is like I've heard is like it's a thermostat. So if your identity, like your your, your boldness or your magnetism uh, or your ability to build rapport, like you have all these beliefs about where you're at, what your cap is, what's possible for you. So you set that and let's say you set it at 70 degrees, right? And then you end up in a scenario where the temperature starts to go up and you start to step into more opportunity and more things. You're going to sabotage that to bring yourself back to where the thermostat is set, 70 degrees, because that's who you feel comfortable being, right? It's who you feel familiar as, and that's why every time we truly do make change, we can like fight it so much sometimes too, because it feels like some part of us is dying. Because on that identity level, like who we thought we were, actually is dying, because it's not going to exist anymore. I mean, or it's really just getting upgraded in a sense, or transmuted into something greater. Um, but the identity piece is huge, because I start to realize like. You know, in my scenario, I was, uh, I was adopted and my mother passed away and my brother passed away and I was the black sheep in the family. I ran away from home, right? Like was like literally like broke entrepreneur trying to do all this, this shit. And then for about two or three years, I kept sucking at everything, but only because I was continuing that story of being that kid who went through all that shit and has to keep struggle now because of where I was at. Right. And then I changed the context that I was in and also start to realize how all those things that happened to me are actually like assets and have all contributed to my life in extremely massive ways. Um, And then I'm able to have a new story about all of that. Mm. And it changes it changes who I think I am. I don't think I'm this whatever, like broken person. I literally think like I picked the best like video game settings ever. And here I am playing.
0: You know, this is so funny because it reminds me of a mentor I once had and his big thing he taught me was about self fulfilling prophecies, which is a lot of what you're talking about mm-hmm. with your image and how you believe you're one way, so you create more of it and you don't and if you don't do a context audit, you might not realize there's a mismatch in evidence of what you think you are and what is yeah. and so really powerful and it reminds me a lot of this mentor who when I was started my private coaching business, you know, like 5 6 however many years ago. He said, "Ashley, needy is creepy." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, good to know." And he gave me a whole analogy that I always remembered. He said, "When you're needy, let's say there's somebody that wants to be around you, but they feel that you really want them." And I, this has happened before. Like, you know when you're at a party and you're with your friends and maybe there's a new friend and they're kind of needy like they want more of you and it feels really yeah. feels really suffocating. So What happens is that when people are needy, they hold on tighter. And I found this with, like, small animals in my particular case, like kittens. (laughs) Like, I just fucking love little kittens, you know? So I'll walk into the room and... It's so funny because on one side of the room, you'll have my friend that's like, come here, little kitties. And they slowly walk over to her. You have me and I'm like, you're so cute. And I like run over to the kittens and they run away and it's like, hello, Needy is creepy. So (laughs) perhaps somebody has a story that nobody wants to hang out with them or maybe that, you know, something sucks about dating when really they're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because
1: it's kind of like, if you think about after you watch a scary movie that for the rest of the night, Everything's a little scary? Yes. Right? Like you're a little creeped out. So, what that what the and the reason that happens is cuz when you watch a movie, you watch TVs, it actually slows down your brain waves and puts you into essentially a hypnotic state where your brain and your body can't tell the difference between the movie and reality. And that's why when the thing jumps out at you in the movie, you get scared cuz your brain thinks it's actually in that scenario. Mm. Right? So what we're doing all day is playing movies in our head that our brain thinks are real. And if they're movies based on these lies and all of these stories that are, you know, that are natural occurrences based on like, you know, trauma and having crazy experiences in our life. And that's why we got to go in and redefine them. Right. But if we're just continually telling this untrue story, we're then stuck in that scary movie vibe for our life. Cause well, we keep sucks. telling the scary movie in our head.
0: Yeah. And well, and, and, and you know what, actually this reminds me of a friend. I just went to lunch with her. We looked at her dating app. She's on hinge And there was a guy that, like, didn't respond to her after a while. And then he wrote back to her, like, two weeks later and was like, hey, you know, so sorry that I let it fall off for two weeks. Hopefully this isn't too late to respond. To be honest, I think I've had so many dating failures that I just, like, gave up. And I immediately read that. And I, okay, I thought, okay, this guy has had, like, a bad time. That's his story about dating, that dating has had a lot of failures and it sucks. My friend, and what what has the behavior been because of that? That he doesn't respond because he thinks, what's the point? Dating sucks. It's not yeah. working. And then the result is my friend. She's sitting there reading this with me, and I looked at her and I thought, ah, oh, unmatch him. He seems so cynical. Like, why do you want to yeah. go out on a date with somebody like that? So he created his reality. Yeah. He held up the image <laughs> of yeah. who he is in dating and how dating sucks for him. And it just literally blows my mind how these things work. So, um, Nathaniel amazing. And I also know that your fourth topic was about conscious self-programming. So everybody listening, um, do a pattern interrupt, come up with something, whether it's waking up early um, and then also catching up and completing things. So you know, as Nathaniel said, write a list of your whole life and every age and write down an event that you remember from that age, whether it was traumatic or a pleasant experience. It's just something that really comes up in your memory um, and, and really look out over it and see what you can complete and feel, what feelings you need to keep feeling, what memories you left un, unfinished. And then there's the context audit, um, which we've just talked about with your image, um, taking a look at who you are versus what's real. Um, in the world. And then this brings us to the conscious self programming. So Mm -hmm. I could talk to you forever. You're, you always have something new to say, but I'm curious, what does this mean to you? Because I know that we've been to many a seminar where people are like, you need to reprogram yourself. And I'm like, that sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. Tell me (laughs) now, what is your way or what does this mean to you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I love this stuff. I'm so fascinated by it. Um, I, for anyone really curious, if you, there's a book called You Are the Placebo that I would recommend checking out, and it's just a really great gateway, really easy and, and compelling read, giving you uh, an abundance of evidence of how much humans can change themselves just through their behaviors and their emotions and their thoughts. Like literally changing their DNA, changing the chemistry in their body, healing themselves of diseases, all kinds of crazy things. Like it's, it's absolutely insane what, what we're actually um, capable of. And when it comes down to it, every, everything is programming you, right? The way you're sitting right now is training your body to be better at sitting that exact way. Right. makes sense. Right. And the way that you stand, that's why you build posture the way we have posture and because it's just built out of habit. Right. And then when you start to realize there's a lot of things in our life that get defined and set in place and become habits that once you like wake up and become aware enough, you decide you realize like I can actually decide how that's designed. Right. Something as simple as, you know, a a morning routine that if you don't have one developed, you just kind of maybe you're in, you know, in college, and you got to get up on time for class and you just do what you do. But if you actually stop and take 20 minutes and go, how could I make the 30 minutes I have from when I wake up between class like set me up for the best day ever? And you actually do something about that, which can be as simple as like stretching for five minutes, drinking a big old glass of water, you know, listening to your favorite music and writing down some, you know, some gratitudes in your journal like something that simple. You start to now reprogram yourself and give yourself a new pattern to put your to like step into essentially. Um, so I've developed you know, and this is basically based off of um, lots of other like methodologies and 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 bodies of work, but something that's worked really well for me is understanding that there's certain windows of time and it has to do with certain states of being and actual brainwave frequencies where when you slow down enough and you're relaxed enough you can you start to become more programmable, essentially. Your body's more available to receive. And that's why uh, in hypnosis, you're ultimately re- relaxing someone to the point where they're uh, super suggestible by the hypnotist. And part of this is essentially like becoming your own hypnotist in a sense and telling yourself what's actually true, right? Because you're walking around all day telling the scary movie in your head about how nothing ever works out for you, even though if we actually looked there, we could come up with thousands of things that have worked out for you in your life. Right? So sometimes you have to stop and, and be the hypnotist and like literally uh, kick your own butt with the truth right, and make it real. But what's super cool about it is you can actually get into this very calm, relaxed, meditative state um, where you're going over these different identity statements, which can just be I am statements or any sort of affirmations, any sort of like declarations of actually defining what's true for you. And if you slow down enough and you really trust the process and understand the science, so checking out you are the placebo, psychocybernetics, these different books that I've mentioned, when you understand the science too, you're so much more compelled to really do the work um, because it's essentially undeniable. So conscious self-programming as a uh, method itself is put in very simple steps is just slow down and relax and then tell the truth about yourself and the context and the experience that you're in something as simple as reminding yourself that you have a 100 percent success rate of getting through bad days like that's huge and we walk around all day not being equipped with that truth and then thinking this one bad day is going to be the one that ruins them all when you literally get through them every time You know, and sometimes you can cut that bad day in half or even by 90 percent by just telling the truth about it, which is like, oh, wow, I'm feeling stressed right now. Okay, great. This has happened before. Okay, great. What should I do about it? (laughs) Like just even having and that comes back to this lucidity thing. It's like you're waking up in the 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 dream that is your stress and realizing there's other options. And it's easier and easier to be aware of all the options when you do this self-programming work. And you build this unconscious context that you're living in. So it's this context of, like, I'm someone who can always figure it out. I'm someone who trusts myself. I'm someone who takes care of myself. I'm someone who slows down enough where I can have this kind of awareness. And for me, the more I got really passionate and inspired to be that kind of person, where I, I'm able to get compliments, like you're saying, from you, you know, where it's like I bring relief and all these cool energies. Yeah. Um, it, it all just kind of feels really full circle to me. Uh, and just really trying to be... The best version of myself by making some really hardcore decisions about what that means and who I am, and then understanding how the human body and psychology actually works and taking the time to train myself to become that person.
0: Do you know who or, I love is um, Ben Benjamin Hardy from the book Willpower Doesn't Work. He's episode Yes. One. Yes, Your episode, episode with one. him was amazing. Yes, I really loved episode one with him. I had him on there because I thought it really set the tone for this podcast. And yeah. so those of you who are really interested in conscious reprogramming, I think that that book is amazing. I also just want to note um, something really interesting from Joe Dispenza's book, You Are the Placebo, which is what Nathaniel just mentioned. I remember reading a passage in that book that talked about how two young girls I believe in Georgia they were able to their a tractor fell on their dad and how the fuck that happens I will never know yeah. but <laughs> but it fell on their dad and it was t- you know tons of weight that no 15 year old girl could possibly lift but they lifted the tractor off of him and somehow he survived this is a documented study and it shows that the only justification that allowed for this to happen is that they didn't have time or they didn't default into believing that they couldn't lift it
1: yeah there was no other choice
0: yeah there was no other choice and that is something that benjamin hardy talks about in the book willpower
1: doesn't work Um, that's a great example too of context yes so those girls live live in an unconscious context with the the story and the definition and the meaning that their father is the most important thing to them so that's what gives them that automatic response to literally change their body and become superheroes and lift up the tractor, right? So the, when you do this, the pre-work, the training, you do the meditation, you take care of yourself, you slow down, you have vulnerable conversations, right? You do this this integrative work. That's what sets you up to be the person who automatically snaps into the superhero like those girls did. Because there was no other choice because there's no other option because their brain is literally wired to only define their dad as someone so worth saving that they'd do something impossible to save them.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um you know, I think that when you don't have time to go into your beliefs because you love something more than the image you hold for yourself so they love their dad more than the belief or the commitment to their their weakness exactly. their strength of muscles oh, so good so good um okay yep. nathaniel before you go last time i talked to libby and those of you um you've probably heard us mention libby that's libby crow aka one of the best people in the world both of our <laughs> friends um she told me that you guys talked about the universe and why we're here, how we're here, the Big Bang. I want to know what the fuck your explanation is for everybody. Oh God! Listening. Just give me that something.
1: Be... Okay. Hmm. So, so I believe we live in an infinite universe, and that already makes it completely unexplainable, right? Because that means infinity means everything, which also means. Everything you can't even possibly consider that it means, right? So, <laughs> it gets a little wacky from the from the get go. I see what you just did even... there.
0: I see what yeah, you yeah. did there.
1: Um, um, but the fact that you know we're even here, like if you actually stop, it's like I don't. Nobody fucking knows what's going on. Oh, pardon my French. It's nobody fine. knows what's You've heard going me. on.
0: You've heard me talk like I'm a sailor on this podcast, but it's really just my personality coming out. It's, yeah,
1: you're so authentic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh but, fucking so, authentic. So, but infinity can't exist. Well, it, it can't. The only way infinity can exist is through these seeming finite forms, which is why it seems like we live in a finite universe, right? There's me, there's you, there's space, and then, you know, it's not, and it's just made up of, of matter and da 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 da. And gosh, this is hard to explain in less than an hour. <laughs> um, but lo- okay, long story short infinite consciousness is the universe. And it designed this elaborate, beautiful journey so that it could experience itself in all these different ways. And the experience we're having right now is one of the most complex and and the most beautiful uh, movie that consciousness could possibly create. Because if you think about the third dimension, it's very, very fragile, right? I could get up from a chair wrong and fall over and die. That's how fragile it is, right? I could literally trip and just and be dead. Like it's very, very fragile. So to be here is very, very special. And just the meaning in that, just the context of that is so special. Um, and I think we're here to, live, to explore all that and to also experience all that there is to experience, which is why we're going through the cycle right now of literally finishing uh, a whole cycle of experiencing war and tragedy and, and pain and suffering and all these crazy things. And we had to go through that in order to integrate that and complete those experiences and literally, uh, live in that higher baseline, that higher default as more conscious beings. And, um, so I think it's, we're literally just in the most beautiful film consciousness could possibly create. It's the most unconditionally loving thing it could do for itself because it gives us all this, you know, seeming free will, I don't, that's a whole other conversation, but it just gives us literally the most beautiful thing you could think of, right? Like, like you know, there's there's rap music and cupcakes. Like, yes, that's, that's all I that's, that's all I need. Like that's as good as it gets, right? Like everyone gets to have their their heaven. Uh, on earth um so i think that's really special and i think we are creating the most dynamic and incredible and most dynamic and incredible heroes journey for everyone so that we actually experience it on the other side of that with all these things integrated
0: nathaniel that was extraterrestrial (laughs) <laughs> and I just literally. feel like everybody listening—it's like ET phone home right now. Like, what just happened? But it was so right.
1: And it. I'm so—I yeah.
0: asked and you delivered. Honestly, I'm so glad I did ask. And where can everybody find you? Because I mean, I know you can't be friends with everyone. You're such a treat. But I will
1: literally try. I'm, I've I know. been Trying. I believe I'm so, it. So so game. Yeah. Honestly, I think you know my name, NathanaelSalas.com. That'll get you to some places, and then just that name on Instagram or Facebook. Come say
0: hi. Thank you so much for being on the show with me, my friend.
1: Thank you, Ashley. It was so much fun.
0: Hey guys, it's Ash here, just reflecting on the episode with Nathaniel. So incredible. I really just love swimming in his energy. And one of the topics he brought up that felt really important for me was trauma. And I think one of the biggest misunderstandings about trauma is that when people hear that word, they think of some huge moment or event or something that's a really big deal, but what they're not thinking about is how trauma can typically be something that is very small that happens. It could be as small as somebody stealing a toy from you when you're five, because the real trauma is not in what happens, but how you're thinking about it and the beliefs that you form because of it. And so that's why some of us have very odd memories that we keep remembering of something small that happened. And it's because a lot of the times we remembered something about it, or we decided it meant something inside of our heads that maybe it didn't mean, but that's how we stored it. And As a result, our body remembers that feeling. And the thing about trauma is that the body definitely remembers it. And um, when the body remembers it, it also will register experiences that feel like it. So if you, um, you know, burnt your finger on a stove... Um, maybe, you know, you walk past the stove and you feel the heat and your body immediately remembers that, that feeling of, um, shock or being caught off guard where you almost, you burnt your finger on a stove. And, um, it's, so it's like our body holds this trauma, holds this pain, holds these feelings and it's, um, our body's way of keeping us safe because it remembers how something felt in the past to prevent us from going through it again in the future. And while that can be very helpful, it also can really prevent us from moving forward in the way we want to in our lives. And that's why I wanted to use this post-episode conversation with you as an opportunity to just remind you that yes, um, trauma happens and yes, sometimes it's a very big event, but also to remind you that a lot of trauma has happened and taken place in your life that likely wasn't a big to do, wasn't like a huge explosion or a breakup or a parent leaving. Um, a lot of the times the trauma in your life could genuinely look like a quick conversation um, where somebody said something and you made it mean something. And you just couldn't seem to drop it. And there's some sort of trauma. Uh, Another area that I find really interesting is sexual trauma. So I think that um, one of the things that I've learned, you know, through having so many friends who are therapists is that, this is one of the deepest areas that people faced trauma and it's not really what you think. So when I think of the concept of sexual trauma, I think of somebody having to do something um like by force. But what it also is, is when somebody bends what they're comfortable with to give to the other person and then they're kind of traumatized by that. And maybe it shifts the relationship they have with their body, whatever have you. So... For example, let's say that you and your partner have sex in a different way and maybe, you know, your partner, you know, doesn't want to wear protection or something like that. And maybe you decide that you're going to let that go and just hope that things work out. Well, maybe you will form some trauma through being afraid of getting, you know, getting pregnant or afraid of getting an STD. And you're always in this holding energy um, in between your sexual interactions, hoping that everything's okay. And that hope creates trauma because you sexually bent yourself to accommodate the other person beyond your comfort zone. That's a lot more of an aggressive form of trauma. So Um, I think that these are just little thoughts that are coming up because God knows me and my girlfriends are talking personal development all the time and somebody brought up, you know, doing something sexually they didn't want to do and we all had this whole conversation about sexual trauma and this is what I took from it. Um, I hope it's helpful for you. I hope that it helps you set your standards and honor them and and stay where you're comfortable. And it doesn't mean that you need to live in your comfort zone because there's so much beyond it, but it does mean to honor yourself, respect yourself, know what you're capable of, and start to question the fundamental paradigm that society talks about and deems trauma as this huge, intense Incident. It doesn't always have to be huge and intense as the sexual reference I had. It could be as small as some kid taking your toy and you at age five coming up with the belief that you don't get to keep anything or whatever it is. Um, trauma is much more nuanced. And, um, one exercise I have for you is when your body is activated. So, you know, this happens. Maybe you're in a fight with a friend or a partner. Or maybe your partner says something and your whole body's having a visceral response. Usually, that visceral response is a reflection of some sort of trauma. And if you hold on to that visceral response your body's having, maybe when somebody says something in passing to you and you start to get curious about it, start to think what is a memory that you have that reminds you of this feeling? Trace this feeling back in time and remember a memory as early back in your life as you can that felt like that. And that is usually where you can start to get to the roots of some sort of trauma. Trauma. Um, And there's other steps you can take from there. You can look at the memory and think about what you believed about yourself, the other person, the situation, and you can start to notice how that's come into your life now. So these are just some thoughts to get you started with trauma. I thought this episode was incredible. If this means something to you, if this is helpful to you, I can't tell you enough how, how helpful it is to me for you to give those written reviews on the um, iTunes iPod whatever app of your podcast app god i sound so crazy podcast app of your iphone or whatever your smartphone is um there's a little written review section under all the episodes and it's effortless you don't even need to create a login i don't believe um it would mean so much to me thank you so much for listening um and i promise i won't have any trauma if you don't write me a review but i would love it so much um all right i hope you're having a beautiful day and i can't wait to connect next week